Hey, just wanted to give you a heads up. This was recorded on December 11th, so just mere hours after the tornadoes had ripped through Kentucky on December 10th. We allude to that in the episode, but I want to bring it up again because the audio quality, quite frankly, isn't up to what we normally do. And I apologize for that, but it is what it is. And hopefully you will give this a listen and check back with us again. And welcome back, everyone, to another Discography Blast, this time selected by the Chicken Slaughter himself, Tracy Newport. I am the Reverend Ben Dangerously, this is Thunderdome Metal Reviews, and I am joined by the aforementioned Slaughter of Chickens, as well as the Dr. David Pizzo, and the Murder Basement, Eaten by Weasels, Gabe. Everyone, how are you doing? Been better, man. Yeah, I've sure. been better as well. My chicken slaughter you... put on hold for a few weeks. Uh, at least. Um, for those of you who don't know, um, Western Kentucky, where two of our four reside and where the other two were, or two others were born, not the other two, um, was hit by a F5 tornado. At least the last I heard it was an F5 that stayed on the ground for over 250 miles through multiple states and did amazing amounts of devastation so if there is sound quality issues that is why um but we decided or actually tracy who is the champion of all such things decided that we should go ahead and record so we're going to try and soldier through this if you can please go give, right uh, if you can please give to donations for those affected by not only this natural disaster but other tragedies across the nation that we do not speak of um, give blood if you can, because that is something that costs you very little and has a major impact. And not only this disaster, but all others. And with that, Tracy, why did you pick this shit ban for this blast? <laughs> you picked that band, sir. Shit ban, not. They're a fantastic fucking band. They're, as we discussed when we did the Hushed and Grim album, they're probably my favorite band. If they're not my favorite, they're definitely a 1B to Scar Symmetry 1A. So this would be Mastodon. Yeah, it would be Mastodon. I figured that was implied when you said shit band. I mean, there's more than one shit band out there that we talk about on the show. <laughs> the him and we are just like, it's a shit band. I don't know why you make us listen to it, Tracy. That <laughs> tends to be one band. Well, I'm really pumped about the Converge Blast, that I'm sure we're going to do at some point where we just listen to nothing but Converge. And we do like eight albums instead of four. I'm super pumped about that. Let's do that. Is yeah. that an invitation? David, is that an yeah, I know. Gabe is like, don't tempt me, man. I will boss at you so hard. <laughs> I'll drop that right here. I'll drop it so right hard. Right now. <laughs> oh, man. I will welcome it, Gabe. The other two are low lives won't. I just will <laughs> accidentally <laughs> listen to Slayer. Accidentally. I will also accidentally listen to Slayer because I'm pretty sure I can review Converge without ever listening to it. Because <laughs> I'm like, oh, you have plenty of Fs to give. I, I do. I do indeed. I do indeed. <laughs> Stay tuned to the grading to see if any Fs appear on this. Um, but the first album that Tracy picked for us to, to give a spin was their second studio album released on Relapse Records. It is a concept album. It's named Leviathan. It was released on August 31st of 2004. Recorded at the Robert Lang Studios, Studio Litho, and Electro Kitty Sound Studios in Seattle, Washington. It has a runtime of 46 minutes and 43 seconds. Produced by Mastodon and Matt Bayless. The band was, I guess is, 
technically, Troy Sanders, bass and vocals, Brent Hines, lead guitar and vocals, Bill Kelleher, rhythm guitar, and Brand Daylor on drums. They brought in quite a few guest musicians, Scott Kelly of Necrosis, or not Necrosis, Neurosis, excuse me, um, to sing on Aqua Dementia, Neil Fallon from Clutch to sing on Blood and Thunder, Matt Bayless, organs on Joseph Merrick, and Phil Peterson, the cello on Aqua Dementia. And Scott and Kelly, oh, I was going to say, Scott Kelly makes a guest appearance on every one of their albums on a song. Um, well, except for the last one. No, I think he's uh, on that one as well, I thought. No, I don't think he's on Hush and Grim. And that's the first. Yeah, I think it is the first time. I will double check that. I will say that this was the first album of theirs that I heard back in. I actually heard this not that long after it came out because it's like a heavy metal concept album about Moby Dick. Hell yeah. And uh, then I heard it. And, and what did that mean to you emotionally? Um, it did not live up to my expectations. But, but, now, but now you adore it, right? Now it's uh, great. Now it, I, I something it, yes, yes. <laughs> it's I the slide it, I think it's loosely about Moby Dick. I don't think, I don't think it's like such a, you know, it's not like super true to that concept. I mean, it's not, but it's based off of. I know Brian Daler was reading Moby Dick heavily when he wrote it, and it, that was like his inspiration for a lot of the songs that he wrote on this album. Like an yeah, NBA and again, you don't, you don't need to call it a concept album for that to work. Um, yeah. But I think that I think that it does work as a concept album, whether or not it's actually about like quote unquote movie dick. Particularly because it's like I don't know they do the they do the you know aquatic theme very well. It's just um, about the ocean as something you know that holds terrors that is terrifying. You know, I don't know. For me, it works. <laughs> this is probably my to kind of preference that this is probably my least favorite of the albums we did. I did pick this album because it's their most well-known, and I think it's the one that brought them onto the scene. But for me, like it works, I think, as a concept album, but it is definitely one of their least polished albums. Yeah, I still like it a little, not to give it away, I think I like it a little better than Blood Mountain. Blood Mountain is the only one I, that's the one that I bought at some point and listened to it and was like, eh, I don't really like this band very much. And I never sort of engaged again. And then Tracy was like, hey, this band is both really good and Ben hates it, so you should like it. And so I listened to, <laughs> I guess, I think you hit me with Crack the Sky, but really it was Ever a Sand. So like, I have such a weird notion of Macedon. I basically got on the ride at Ever of Sand and then Hush and Grimm and then went backwards. So to me, like Leviathan and Blood Mountain, I like these are sort of weird and unformed. Like they they seem, I don't know, it's just so interesting. And we've talked about this with other bands. Like when you get on the rise, it's a huge effect of what you think is how they're supposed to sound. And so to me, like I don't know, I feel like Emperor Sand and Hush and Grimm are sort of how they're supposed to sound, I guess. But uh I'd never really heard Leviathan. Uh and now I have. And it's all right. I, I think I do actually like it more than Blood Mountain because it's Maybe a little bit more metally, and I don't know, maybe a little less experimental. I don't know, but uh, but I do agree there. I agree they're on form. The vocals aren't nearly as strong as certainly by the time we get to 
Um, you know, once you get around the sun or whatever, I mean, they're much better at that point. But, uh, you know, people love this album. You know, I looked at a lot of rankings of their albums. It's usually like this sky that are kind of towards the top. Well, I mean, I think that if you're going to come into this as a metal fan, that this would be the album that you would like the most. Because it's the one that's most straight up. Yeah. Because they are definitely the two of the ones that I would listen to that are the most straight up metal. I haven't heard their debut. I didn't go back. I, I'm the archetypal metal player. You are. <laughs> because, you are. <laughs> apparently, because I would say, you know, these first two records that, that we listen to are the most metal. I mean, no question that I've heard of, of their. <clears throat> I mean, Tracy says this is not as polished. I kind of see that. And maybe they're just not as talented here. They haven't honed their, their craft, whatever that is. But I think the riffs are there and it's catchy already. Um, and it's actually oh, pretty heavy. Oh, their riffs are, are there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this album's got some heavy riffage in it, but I think they're they're very much like not in final form yet. And like I heard this album when it first came out, and you know, um, Blood and Thunder, Not Good Dementia, and I saw the videos on Headbangers Ball because that was like the redo it on MTV2. It was still airing those, but I never really could get into it. And in fact, it wasn't until 2011, I was playing song pop with somebody and I had a song. I'm like, and I guessed who it was, it was wrong. And it's like, it's Mastodon. I'm like, they don't sound like fucking Mastodon. And then I looked at the song and I was like, oh, okay. I actually enjoy this. Let's check it out. And then I kind of worked my way around their discography from there. Yeah, that's interesting. And fell in love. <laughs> and and they lived happily ever after. <laughs> Shall we talk about songs? Or does anyone have anything more they wish to say about the album as a whole? Uh, we can talk about songs. I mean, this is of the four we do. This is my least favorite album, honestly. <laughs> it is metal though, so that's nice. It has it riffs. I, I agree with Gay that it has some pretty strong riffs. Um, what songs do you like? So I do enjoy Blood and Thunder, Aqua Dementia. I am Ahab's pretty good. I'm just running off the top of my head because you know I can't look at what I have in my Spotify playlist or nothing at the Indeed. moment due to issues. So like those songs. Uh, yeah. Sea Beast and Island, Iron Tusk, Eglinda. Let's see. So yeah, Blood and Thunder, I, I Am Hayhab is pretty good. Iron Tusk, Megalodon, and Aqua Dementia. The rest of it is okay. I'm amazed that you didn't select Hearts Alive because that was the traciest track on this entire album. But um, for me, um, well, I mean, why even disguise it? I didn't care for any of them, none of them. Drink, everyone. Yep. And don't put down your glass because, uh, you know, I'm coming up. <laughs> uh oh. David, do you want to go ahead? Uh, I think it opens pretty strong. I like Blood and Thunder. I may have. It drags a little bit. And then uh, I think we go to the end of Lion Talk and Megalodon. I like Aqua Dementia. I think Hearts Alive is okay. I really you don't usually like songs that long, but that seems pretty good. That's the cool part. Uh, instrumental, eh, don't need it. You know, I feel <laughs> I feel like it was a strong filler, but 
you know, I, I enjoyed this album clearly more than just sort of everyone else on this call. But uh, uh, it is a metal album. I mean, it's got Neil Fallon on it. And that's where I thought. Okay. Um, I like all of these tracks, actually. But I think my favorite run would probably be three to eight. Uh, so Sea Beast uh, all the way to Aqua Dementia. Um, and the tracks that I liked absolutely the most are probably Sea Beast, Island, Iron Tusk, Megalodon, Naked Burn, and Aqua Dementia. I agree that the closer is kind of a little bit weak. And I do that instrumental closer thing um, on the next record, or it's sort of like a quiet closer, which I'm not a super big fan of. But um, yeah, uh, there's some riffy stuff on here. Island really just busts the album wide open. And, you know, Hearts Alive is okay, but it's, it's just not my favorite thing in the world. Uh, but it's not, it's not bad. All right. I'll see. It's going okay, Trey. Yeah. This brings us to their third full-length album, Blood Mountain, also released on Reprise Records on the date of September 12, 2006, recorded at Robert Lang Studios, Studio Litho, and EK Studios, again in Seattle, Washington. Has a runtime of 51 minutes and two seconds. Matt Bayliss and Mastodon are in the producer's chair. The band is Troy Sanders, bass vocals, Brent Hines, lead guitar, vocals, rhythm guitar, and Sleeping Giant. Bill Kelleher, rhythm guitar, lead guitar on Sleeping Giant, and backing vocals, Brand Daylor on drums, percussion, and backing vocals. Guest musician, Scott Kelly has the vocals on Crystal Skull. Josh Holm, guest vocals on Colony of Birchman. Cedric Bixler at Sabala on guest vocals on Siberian Divide. And Isaiah Ike Owens, keyboards on Pendulous Skin. And when I said that I saw them live, I did. And I guess it was on tour for this album. Although, actually, that might have, this album may, I don't remember what the date of that concert was. So this album might not have come out yet, but I'm certain that I heard some of these songs live. Because I think actually that was in the summer when I saw them with Slayer, um, Lamb of God, and Children of Bottom. So in my head canon, and I think the band would probably agree with this, this is the album where they start the turn to what they end up becoming, because their first three albums, Call of the Mastodon, Leviathan, and Remission, they all were very much similar in sound. And in this album, they started to kind of branch out and kind of change some things up, but it's still, you know, if you were a, I'm just going to say what, if you were a Mastodon purist off the first three albums, like there's enough on this album, I think, for you to be attracted to it, while also there being some issues you having some issues with it, but it's, you know, a good enough album for the purist. Yeah. You know, as I said, it's okay. And I actually really like, just because it's when I get on the ride, I like, what are we going to call it, Baroque Mastodon? Uh, you know, whatever the current age is Mastodon with to its early career. Um, it just isn't there, it isn't there yet on this one, I feel like. I don't know. I agree with you, Casey. It's sort of in becoming the transition from kind of that little part. Yeah, like in yeah this is one it's definitely missing the pieces and i think yeah one of the big pieces that come in and crack the sky which we're going to talk about is the additional to brian singing vocals on it and yes but i think that's what makes them so good the later on i think it's a trailer yeah. and then troy sanders gets better at singing right like he really is but if i'm getting crack the sky those vocals are really nailing it uh and they're playing with that here it's just and it's not a bad album. You'll see when we get credit. I don't hate it. It's just 
than the other three rounds. Ben, Gabe, how much did y'all hate it? Um, I think it was a step back from Leviathan, honestly. I think that, and, and one thing that I will say is that I cannot impeach Macedon for their musicianship. I think that they are all fine players. The songs are all crafted fairly well. I just, I think the lyrics routinely and um, almost without question suck, but that, that's a small nitpick, um, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah no the, the, the musicianship is fine I, you know, the riffs are good i just don't like the voices of any of them the best singer on every one of their albums is scott kelly and yeah so i think this is a, a the weirdness that you guys like as they're evolving into their prog rock um horizon is the thing that uh made me uh turn me off from this album well, I have to say, I like this album better than the previous one, <clears throat> even though I like the uh, Leviathan pretty well. Um, it's not really a coincidence. I don't think that it's also the heaviest of the bunch that we listen to. Um, it just packs a metric fuck ton of punches. And it also goes a little bit experimental. Like Tracy was saying that this is the place where they're starting to do something different. And I think a piece of that is the experimentation. And it's experimentation, but it doesn't feel like it's pushing the envelope too much. And so it's not inaccessible, but it also is just like much more metal than the other records. So that's, um, that's sort of what really, really drew me in. Uh, and also the songwriting, I thought the songwriting was strong and the, the as Ben was saying, the musicianship is really strong. And one thing that I discovered in going back and uh, with the blast that we've done recently and our march through Slipknot, you know, I always thought around this time I got out of metal because I just didn't have the time to, to listen to it anymore. But now as so we've gone back and listened to more albums from this time, I think I just don't like this sound in American metal. And like that is kind late of, 2000s, early yeah, 2010s. yeah. Um, because uh, I guess the best American metal band that was emerging at this time is Lamb of God. And I'm not a huge fan of those Lamb of God albums. So I just think that this was uh, one of those moments where I'm just old and that metal was moving on beyond me. And I just didn't care for it. So kind of got off the ride for a little while. Yeah, and I can see that because you weren't a big fan of like the Shadows Fall album we did that came out during this time period. We've done a couple others and each of them you've been very not a fan of yeah so i just think that there's something about this era of metal that just does not do a whole lot for me which is fine i mean you know not everything can be for everybody i'm not sure when did this world painted blood but i mean slayer is a slayer regardless of time so that's pretty not fair in it like to throw in yeah blood. i mean slayer had been doing stuff for almost 30 years <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Exactly. It's not really the same. Not quite the same thing. Right. I'm just trying to think what else came out. Uh, was this uh, World of Painted Blood or Christ Illusion that came out around this time? I don't know. Uh, I don't Christ know. Illusion is 06, and World of Painted Blood, I believe, is not. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it is an album. And what is the concept of this one? Just what? Just where. 
we're a Sasquatch that can see into the future. I I think it's that they were hunting for the crystal skull on a mountain, but I don't know. Indeed, and like we're trying to turn our reptile brain on. Yeah. I don't think I don't think they're all concept albums, or that they all have to be. There was some. I read an interview. The band considers this one and the one previous to be concept albums, whether you know or not. They do. They say that. That's Gabe. I thought the same thing. I was like, oh, I guess this one's not a concept album because you're right. Like Emperor's Hand and Touch and Grim. Well, I guess Touch and Grim the theme is more fun. But um, they claim this one is. (laughs) Now we don't. so they they tried to do each of them a concept that were like four elements in which Leviathan was water. Uh, oh, I see now. <clears throat> yeah. Mountain is, I think, um, Earth. Earth, yeah. Like I, I couldn't remember if it was blood or Earth, and then you know, crack the sky is aether. Yes, very classical. Is, is blood one of the elements? I don't know. Because you know they consider ether one of the elements, so I'm just elements, so I'm just like, oh, cool. Yeah, that's my then. Yeah, then this I guess is... the Emperor of Sand is fire. Well, I think that's. I don't think it goes through all the records, right? No, it doesn't, because Emperor of Sand is written because of Bill's the death of Bill's mother from cancer. Yeah, and that's a concept that when him working through the grief and like the five stages of grief and just time ticking away until his mother died. And right. so, so the unknown fifth and sixth elements, blood and cancer, is that what you're saying? Water, uh, yeah, earth, so. ether, <laughs> fire, oncogenes, yeah, Sasquatch, yeah. and Sisquatch, <laughs> and then Transquatch, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Songs. Uh, you got it pulled up. I do. So I'll fall on this. I think Crystal Skull is okay, but I really enjoy Sleeping Giant, Capri Crest, Cycle of the Sasquatch, Colony of Birchman, and Siberian Divide. So really, that first half really heavy. I don't know a lot of like traditional mascot fans love Blake Catcher due to the guitar work on it, but it's kind of okay. Uh, kind of okay would kind of describe my thoughts on all the tracks. Um, I didn't really like any of them, but none of them were offensive either. I still think that means drink. <laughs> yeah, sure. Always uh, drink. Uh, I'm with Tracy. I kind of like the first half of the album more. Especially, I think, Sleeping Giant, Cavalier, and Crest. And Circle of the Sisquatch, whatever that is. I could do without the channel. I think, uh, it, I think it's Sisquatch. Like Cyclops. Sci, but sci, sci, mm, you're probably right. Huh? <laughs> I'm an expert in strange creatures, okay? That's a best trait. That's what I got my PhD in. <laughs> Gabe, you're the cryptozoologist. I'm a xenozoologist. Xenozoologist. All right. Xenomorph. <laughs> so it's, it's not a murder basement for humans. It's a murder basement for aliens. It's his own <laughs> personal <laughs> hangar 18. That's what it is. <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, second half of the album, that's all right. Siberian Divine is kind of cool. But yeah, I think the first half of the album is strong. Yeah, I think I do like all the tracks on this 
one as well. Um, but the ones I especially like were some of the ones that uh, Tracy and David mentioned. I'm also into, I like Crystal Soul. I like Capillary and Crest. I think that's sort of where the album opens up for me. Um, I, I enjoyed Colony of Birchman and uh, Hand of Stone also, uh, as well as This Mortal Soil, I think is really great. Um, again, kind of disappointed about the closer, but whatever. All right, that brings us to their fourth studio album, Crack the Sky, released on March 24th of 2009, recorded in Southern Track Studios in Atlanta, Georgia, runtime of 50 minutes and three seconds, released on reprise slash relapse. Brendan O'Brien is in the producer chair. The band is Brand Daylor on drums, percussion, and lead vocals on Oblivion and Crack the Sky, where he does backing vocals. Brent Hines, lead guitar, lead vocals, except for Crack the Sky and Ghost Corellia. I guess that's Corellia. I don't know. It might be something else. And he plays the banjo. Bill Kelleher on rhythm guitar, Troy Sanders, bass and lead vocals. The other musicians on this are they bring in Rich Morris to play keyboard, synths, and Mellotron. Scott Kelly appears yet again to provide lead vocals on Crack the Sky. And Brendan O'Brien, who I mentioned for production, is also doing some backing vocals. So this is my swan song equivalent for David. So, so carcass grade. No, oh, this is this is the uh, the grade breaker. The the hundred and two to put into perspective. But right on. What what is, what makes it what makes it worth 102 points to you? Oh, this album's fucking fantastic from start to finish. There's never a dull moment in it. It's got just I think it's got amazing guitar work, bass work, drumming. The vocals are and fantastic on here. I think every point of this, even in the longer songs, there's enough transitions in them that it keeps you interested, but they stay true to the song itself. They don't ever wreck they don't pull a dream theater where they meander for 15 minutes and then come back to the original thought on the song. And just this whole album from start to finish is fan fucking tastic. So I, uh, as to the shock of no one will completely disagree with Tracy on this. Of course you will. Um, I, I, you know, it does, I don't want to jump too far ahead. I, I will agree with him that I think the playing is a step up from the other two albums. I don't necessarily know that they've actually improved their musicianship. It's just they're playing outside the forms of traditional metal. And in that way, they are unshackled a little bit to uh, expand. And that is one good thing about uh, that prog rock brought into metal, um, for better or worse, I guess. I did say it was a good thing, so I guess I think it's a good thing. It just allows them to be more experimental to to really stretch out, like Tracy said. They don't go on any, like, dream theater, um, long escapades, or um, anything like that. But still, it is to meandering for my taste. Um, but uh, as far as if I was just listening to the music on this, I would enjoy it musically more than the last two albums, but man, I still think the vocals are trash, except for Scott Kelly. Well, I, I am neither 
going to save this album as worth 102 points, nor do I think it's the steaming garbage that Ben thinks. So I guess I'm sort of in between. Uh, I do think this is really when they sort of hit their stride in terms of how the next few albums would sound. I think this album sounds a lot more like Sand for a Sand than the earlier albums. So I like it more. Uh, I think this is the first one Tracy played a couple songs off of, I feel like. Uh, I think we listened to all of them for a Sand, but he played a couple songs on here. So uh, the concept of it is kind of cool, even if a little odd. Going back into history now, even though our limbs don't work. We're taking over Rescue, but um, cover art's cool. I, 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 you know, I don't like this album as much as Tracy, but it certainly likes it more than Ben. Yeah, I'm sort of in a similar boat. Like, I, um, I don't think this album hangs together as well as Leviathan does for me. And also, the style isn't as appealing because it kind of verges on alt rock rather than metal. And one thing that's interesting about it that's also just, you know, different from the last uh, two records that we reviewed were, um, uh, is sort of like the psychedelic feel it has because of the organ. Like, uh, I don't know if anybody else heard that, but uh, sort of has a psychedelic feel to it, plus a little bit of a Black Sabbath kind of tinge. Anyway, uh, I don't like all the songs in this record. And I think the songs where they're really stretching, you know, these sort of like more epic tracks that, you know, maybe Ben feels are too meandering. I also think that they're a little bit too meandering compared to let's say hearts alive you know from leviathan which like really uh is still quite compelling even if it's long um so yeah that's sort of where the album sits for me in terms of like the the style the great playing uh i'm not going to comment about the vocals because they don't matter as much to me but um yeah yeah i think the vocals get better on this album I think the more Daler that happens, the better. And I think Sanders by this one starting to get better. But this is my opinion, man. I think this is the album where they really kind of hit that 50 or 30, 30, 30, 33, 33, 33 split on vocals where I think they hit just the right mix of them. Because, you know, you got Troy and Braun, but also you have um, Brent who brings in that, you know, 70s style classic rock style vocals that adds nice little touches in the songs he does sing in. Well, speaking of songs, I like Crack the Sky, and that's it. Oh, man. Man, surprise. man now I don't even get to do it. How shitty is that? Like, he didn't even say none. I'm going to drink it. I, I can't help it. They wrote one good song. I mean, I mean, is it is it like an infinite number of monkeys? But there's a number of typewriters just eventually. Well, I mean, routinely, I have found the Scott Kelly tracks on each of the albums to be less offensive than the others. Um, again, because I think he's a better singer than Troy, Brent, or Bran, even though Bran has only just started doing lead vocals on this album. And he gets to write his own lyrics, so I don't think they suffer from the issues that I have with a lot of the other songs. Um, and, you know, um, to his credit, I will have to say that Scott did a really good job in paying tribute to which one of them's sister was it, Tracy? Um, was it Brand's? Yeah, it was Brand's sister, Sky. She OD'd when she was 15. Yeah. Um, just the effort that he put into to write a really moving song about the suicide of his friend's sister, uh, I have to give them props for that. Yeah. 
And then, well, that whole entire album, I think, is dealing with that aspect. Because even in Oblivion, after she died, there was a moment where Bren, like, went to her grave to try and dig her out. I'm sorry, what? Like, yeah, like, he he had a hard time coping with his sister's death. And he went to her grave and tried digging her out, her out. That's where that line in Oblivion where he's broke his fingers from his broke his nails and skin from his fingers came from. Wow. That's heavy. And so like, in fact, Oblivion's written about the thought of her thought of the memory of his sister going to Oblivion, like becoming nothing and people forgetting about her. And his like battle within himself trying to uh, reconcile that. Well, that is a <clears throat> that is a fine song in my mind. Um, I really dig um, the first three cuts. I think they're pretty cool. Um, and I think, as I mentioned, the organ on this record is interesting, and I think it's put to best use on Ghost of Corellia. Um, the rest of the tracks are not. I'm not super, super into, but the ones that I'm into are are pretty okay. Sure to go, Tracy. Did you say you like them all? Oh, yeah, all of them. Everybody drank. Everybody drank. Uh, yeah, I, I really like Gabe, like Oblivion, Divination, and Um Middle's all right, but then uh, I think Dress of Corellian cracked. I like the last pair, and I think it's the best closer. Pretty much all of these. It's certainly better than the last two closers for sort of non-events, but uh, I think just about all these are good. So my question for you guys after hearing this: um, Do you want to travel back in time and rewind Rasputin to send you back? I mean, the Czar can just fuck, fuck off. I don't know. Some kind of Rasputin, though. What a hot mess. Like all of that was, uh, I don't know, Tracy. This is not a great time to arrive. Like I thought about this listening to this album, I'm like, ah, I really would not be in any of that. Because especially was... since when you arrive, it's like the idea of averting it. Like the disasters already happened. It's not like you're going back in time to 1913, <laughs> right? When you're like, I know it's going to be hard to believe, but you should not do the things you think you're going to want to do in 1914. Um, anyway, this is that's a different problem. Boy, is it? Also, my limbs work. Yeah, this is the perfect podcast, though. Yeah, yeah. Sure, something. Anyway, it's a cool concept. It's fun. The cover is badass. Then I see he's already moved on to the hunter, which is weird. <laughs> the album after this is strange. But we're not going to talk about it because we're skipping it and going straight to. Yes, we skipped to Once More Around the Sun, the sixth studio album, released on June 24th of 2014, recorded at Rock Falcon Studios in Franklin, Tennessee, which I think Tracy may have went down to. Um, length is 54, <laughs> it's close enough that you could. Um, length is 54 minutes and eight seconds. Also on reprise, Nick Raskulinsic is in the producer's chair. Um, the band, Troy Sanders, vocals, bass, bass pedals, keyboards, Brent Hines, vocals, lead guitar, 
Rand, Daler, vocals, drums, Bill, Kelleher, rhythm guitar. They scale back a little bit on the guest musicians. Scott Kelly, of course, makes his um, album Lee contribution with vocals and lyrics to Diamond in the Witch House. Gary Lindsay provides the chorus uh, on Aunt Lisa Valiant himself, additional backing rules for the Sleep in the Deep. Isaiah Ike Owens also appears to play synthesizer on a Sleep in the Deep. And they sample Cowboy's song from Tim Lizzie and around once more around the sun. So why did you skip to this album, Tracy? Well, the Hunter, which that's I've got that keyed in for another podcast, and which I think you guys, you and Gabe may appreciate due to its uh you know, it's a less concepty album. They're just four dudes playing songs that stick well individually. And it's edited, it's produced by a hip hop producer. So it's got some interesting twists in there. But this one is the return back to the concept album. And this one's supposed to be about, you know, one year around the sun and them spending half their life in a tour bus, traveling, doing their albums and doing their tours, you know. And. <clears throat> I think this was the next best one that was available after we'd done it percent already in Hushed and Grim earlier this year. Right on. I think this and, one sounds... Oh, go ahead. You go ahead, Chase. I was going to say, this one is... I, I played the shit out of this when it came out. This was the first one that they released that I was a fan, of, I guess, that I was following them at the time because I got on the bandwagon right after Hunter came out. And so I was really looking forward to this one, and it it did sounded pretty good. I was happy with what they got, but you know, the two albums that follow it are much better, in my opinion. I don't want to say much better, but the two albums I, I think I like two albums that follow it better. I think they're a little better, but I think this album is much more like those albums than anything else we listen to. I think it sounds a lot like uh, Emperor Sand and Hush and Grim. Which meant I liked it the most. I'm not gonna lie, it's my favorite of these four, precisely because it sounded like what to me is what Mastodon sounds like. But again, it's when I got the home and ride. Uh, and I went back and listened to the Hunter. There's some weird shit going on on there. There's some there's some fun songs on there, but it's it's all over the place. So I can understand why you jumped over to this because to me this is the whatever there's out of the comments. This is the yeah, and this is describe it. I think this is one where they really kind of solidify, all right, this is the one we're going to go with. And I know they released an EP late 2018 or early 2018 with that had, uh, I think, three songs that didn't make it off this album and one song off Emperor Sand that didn't make it. And didn't make it through the production process that they released. They finished Polished Off and released. And you can kind of tell that about where they were going with it forward. One thing that's interesting is I read tons of, you know, when I was looking at rankings, people who thought Emperor of Sand was just not innovative and not that good. I was like, wait, what? But to me, that happened so awesome. But a lot of people felt like they sort of were arguing that from essentially the hunter on, everything stalled out. Like, I guess they're sort of massive on purists. They feel like they were really strong in that era Ben doesn't like in the 2000s, but then just kind of lost their way in what we call the teens. I guess the tens, whatever. Um, I feel the opposite, but again, my my mess of experience is backwards. 
Yeah, I mean, that's, I think it's an ongoing issue with the fan base is you have those in which some of them are even like Crack the Sky to sell out and they hate it because it's not as the first three albums or the first four if you include Blood Mountain. But I think they've really hit their grooves post Crack the Sky, like Crack the Sky Forward is really where I think they find their, right. their money. I'm, I am absolutely Team Tracy on that. I mean, those other albums are good, but this sounds way better. The emotion is sort of raw and a little more real. They figured out the three-part vocal. Um, they're better at playing their instruments. Not that they were bad. I don't know. I just, I'm not going to die on this hill, but I'm willing to point this hill and say that I think later on. I would um, <clears throat> not not have not having uh, as much knowledge about this band as David or Tracy. I would still probably agree that this sounds much more like Hushed and Grim than it does the the other records that we listen to for today. Um, that said, uh, from this this album was something that I sort of perceived as maybe like a party album in the sense that a lot of the tracks on it are pretty laid back. They're not super aggressive and they're you know pretty palatable for i would say the majority of listeners because of you know the clean vocals and also the very melodic uh sort of approach a lot of the songs it's not that i dislike it but it just doesn't captivate me the same way that leviathan or blood mountain did um you know there's a lot of catchiness right there there are some you know uh riffs on here but it's not like uh, you know, headbanging the entire way through or anything like that. Um, and I guess where the party record bit comes in is like, you can kind of sit around and and have kind of bob your head to it, but you don't necessarily have to listen all that closely to the individual tracks to like enjoy it. So I guess that's where that's where I sort of sat with this one. Uh, this is the album that I like the least of the four that we listened to for this uh, blast. I feel that this is their rehash of the 70s. It sucks to be a rock and roll star because here I am on the road again and uh, I'm riding a, I got a six stringer on my back and all that shit. And I found that kind of a bit derivative and uninteresting. And I agree with that. I don't want to say uninteresting aspect, but uh, this is the you know '70s rocker, always on the road album. This is their somewhere in time album, per se, if you want to do a, an Iron Maiden equivalent for it. And I think, and they've come out and openly stated they think they write their best stuff when they're working through some grief and tragedy. Because I mean, Practice Guy was working through Brand's sister suicide. You've got Ipperson dealing with Bill, the death of Bill's mother, and then Hushed and Grimm and the pandemic and the death of their manager. So, I mean, or, you know, boss of their friends. So, I mean, this is, I do think they write their best stuff when they're dealing with those, working through those horrific incidents. Well, to that point, Emperor of Sand, uh, you know, as much as I don't consider myself to be a fan of Macedon, um, that album is much better than this, although they sound fairly close together i think david was right when he said that this is where you kind of the mastodon sound as we would understand it going forward coalesces uh, it's just that the um 
and not to say that they weren't feeling those things because i can't say that the that spending happier year in a tour bus with the other dudes didn't suck and i know that it's hard i mean i, I don't want to dismiss that or or invalidate their experience it, it's just that that is something that a bunch of other artists and writers have dealt with in a way that connected with me more and i found more engaging than what they did on this album however on the next album when they're writing about the, the loss of his mother to cancer you know uh, plenty of other artists have written about that too but there was there was something much more um individual in that that you know whether it was me having lost my mother um and my father to cancer or, or what that i was able to connect to in a way that i wasn't able to with their the way that they grappled with their perception of these concepts on this album yeah that's probably a, a really good point there is you i don't say you know you've walked a mile in the shoes in terms of emperor sand as opposed to you know none of us i don't think has spent a year living on a tour bus with the same three dudes over and over again where by month six them farting just makes you want to choke them yeah but i don't want to say that you have to experience a thing to connect with it, it because I mean, obviously, the three of you connected with this more than I did. Um, I don't know. There was just something. There is just something, and I don't know what it is. Um, I, I do think it's a combination of I don't like the singing and I don't really like the lyrics on most of their stuff that does not connect with me with this band. And that's not something that has is uncommon in some of the bands that we talk about. Um, but I mean, routinely, I really, I'm really impressed by the riff writing and the song structures that they come up with. I just, I don't enjoy listening to it. Uh, you know, I, I agree that this album is, there isn't maybe quite as much pain and pace as the certain rhythm that comes after it, which having also been on the cancer train, get, um, but it does make it very listenable. And, you know, I think I, in ways I didn't realize until we listened to all this metal, I am sort of a slut for pop. So, you know, I'm, I'm here for it. This album, I think, is very listenable. I like it a lot. That's the song. Yeah, this is this is I would say if not this album, then definitely the Hunters their party album. They sound tired and a bit sad on here. I'd say Hunters, but I can see that. Yeah. Well, lift your glasses, gentlemen, because I don't like any of these songs. So I like. Tread Lightly, The Motor World, High Road, I think starts off with a good one, two, three. Chimes of Midnight, Asleep in the Deep, Aunt Lisa, uh, Ember City, Diamond and Witch House. I mean, I think they're all really good songs. Some of them are definitely stick out more than the others, but yeah. So I liked uh, Tread Lightly, High Road, uh, Chimes at Midnight is really great. Asleep in the Deep has a lot of groove to it. Um, Aunt Lisa, I really uh, dig. I, I dug the uh, Cut Hangers uh, cameo there. 
and I also dug Diamond in the Witch House. Uh, I like just about all these songs. Um, Mother Road of Fun and a Kai Road. Uh, I like Chimes of Midnight, Sleep in the Deep a lot. Um, they have a sound that reminds me a lot of some of the later albums. Oh, Ember City is good, but you know, none of these songs are bad. I like this album, as I said. I'm sorry it made Ben sad. No, it didn't make me sad. It didn't make me feel anything. That's even worse. I feel, we feel nothing about yeah. <laughs> that right, Let's, let's grade him. Do it. Let's uh, grade him. Since I'm the one to pick this poison, I guess I can go first with Leviathan. Let me know when you're ready, Ben. I will let you know. The Ben is putting F's in every column, so it doesn't really matter. I am. I am. Oh, shit. <laughs> I've actually got to go, go again. I'm going to recorrect it whenever I edit the episode. Yeah. Nor true grades. The true grades. Dun, dun, dun. You don't have to on everything Ben does, like a good mm -hmm. comic book writer. Yeah. Probably not the worst idea. <laughs> All right, Tracy. What so, flavor of A are you giving this? Joke's <laughs> on you. So Leviathan is probably outside of Call of the Macedon and Remission, my least favorite album by them. Mm -hmm. Call of the Macedon and Remission, I think, outside of a couple tracks off, all, off of them, they fall into C category. Leviathan, for me, I'm going to give it a, a low B, like an 84. Huh. I'm actually going to grade higher than Tracy. I think something with a B plus. Good riff, pretty heavy. Um, it's got Neil Fallon. I mean, yeah, I'm gonna give some uh, a B plus. Gabe, well, I'm gonna give this album an A because I think it's a well done concept and uh, got a lot of riffs. So Tight. noise. I'm going Mark to give this a my zero and a. I'm going to give this a C minus um, because Hot. I uh, it is the most metal of the albums, with the possible exception of the one after this that we're getting ready, uh, Blood Mountain. But you know, it is something that I listened to back when it came out. Was unimpressed by. I'm still unimpressed by. But it's also metal enough that if I were to walk into a bar. And it was playing. I'd be like, "Well, this is disappointing, but not worth getting upset over." So, <laughs> amazing. It's going great, Blood Mountain. I can go first. This album's a B. It's still cool. It's just not as good. I think. Hey, say what? Did you say D or B? He said B. B, okay. B, I'm not you, man. I actually like Mastodon. I didn't use to. I only started liking them. I guess that's a question grim, believe it or not. But yeah, I think this album's a B. Okay. Maybe, yeah, it's a B. It's not a D. All right. Um, I think it is a D. Oh, there we go. <laughs> there, there, and there it is. Love it. Uh, 
I'll go next. I'm going to give this album a B plus and 88. All right. B plus 88 for Tracy. Gabe? Yeah, this one's an A for me too. Um, it's the heaviest. I like it the best. Uh, and it's even got some experimental flair, so I like that. Rock on, rock on. Now crack the sky. Tracy has already given it at an L102. Yeah, it's a little bit of 102. Yep. A++. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give it a C. Because it actually had a song on it that I liked. I knew the I knew the dangers of assigning this blast to them. I knew and yeah. accepted the dangers. Hey man, <laughs> it's all good. It for different folks and all that good stuff. I'm I'm gonna balance Ben out and give this a 94. I think it's an A. Cool, 94. And I'm gonna swing the pendulum back just once more. This is a B minus. Uh, it doesn't quite work as a concept for me, and the music is not as appealing. But um, all the same, not a C, B minus. <laughs> all right. Oops, there's the methadone. Once more, we go around the sun. I'll go first. This album's a 96. It is slightly better than Crack the Sky, and like the other albums, I like the end. Um, I'm guessing Ben is not going to give it a 96. Nope, nope. I think it is... Uh, 69. As, well, 65. It's a D. <laughs> Amazing. Drink, everybody. <laughs> Everyone drinks, yeah. Tracy? I'll let Gabe go first. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so I don't uh, like this one as much as uh leviathan or blood mountain but i don't think it's bad at all um i wouldn't hate it if it was playing in a room that i walked into uh so i'm gonna give it a b plus you wouldn't be disappointed like ben <laughs> i'd probably turn around and walk out and like yeah, i'm sure you would <laughs> i'm sure you would What is the average um, on this? Like, that must be like pretty middle of the road. Well, yeah, yeah, I'm well, going to, uh, I'll drop those after we get all of them graded. So I'm going to give this, I'm double checking. I think it's right there on par with Hushed and Grimm. So I'm going to give it a, I think I get that at 93. And right there at a high A minus. Okay. So 93, high A minus. But I'd probably give Hush and Grimm more points now. Though I still think the thing with Hush and Grimm is it really should not have been a double album. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, just, it's too much. Yeah, it was a mistake. Well, I would I had to, fail it harder. but I was trying to figure out how I would grade these in my head, and I was like, how do I do this? Because I like Crack the Sky so much, but I also really, really, really like Emperor's Sand. But if I had to uh -huh. pick one, I'd pick Crack the Sky. So I'm like, okay, I've got to do the 102 to what i would That's give right. emperor sand 100 so i mean yeah i would i wasn't on emperor sand but i would grade five right, i'd probably give it 
So the Thunderdome grades for these albums, Leviathan is respectively at a B. Blood Mountain is uh, right on the line between a B minus and a B, um, 83. Crack the Sky, solid B plus, and so is Once More Around the Sun. That's a good well, thing. It's a little bit better than I expected. Like, I expected both Ben and Gabe to fuck these up. Oh, no, Gabe really liked the older one. I did. A, a lot. More than us, actually. Yeah. So, so suck at you and me, Tracy. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know we don't know Gabe at all, like we thought we did. No? I knew Ben was going to be throwing Ds left and right, maybe F. I wasn't sure. Like, yeah, when I was like, these albums are all pretty good. And Ben, I don't even know what emoji it was. It was like, it was the, it was the, the middle emoji. finger. Like, cackling how stupid, <laughs> stupid my comment was. I mean, these these were um, these do not suffer from all the ills that play Question Grimm, which is primarily being a eighty minute piece of music with one good song or one and a half good songs on it. So, um, so therefore they 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 did a much better. So amazing, man. Well, I enjoyed this, Tracy. This got me into the Mastodon a lot more, and was the highlight of an otherwise flaming piece of shit. Yep. Well, I've got news to tell you guys after we get off, but the week was ending good for me until yesterday. Oh, well, shit. Well, let's get off. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening to this wondrous Leviathan-esque Mastodonny Big Beast blast that was the Mastodon blast. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Yeah, well, it was epic. What did you pick for the next blast, Ben? I don't remember, Tracy. So I will look. I think... I think it is something that will will impact the feelings that I had about Macedon on at least David and possibly you, Tracy. And that I, I think believe it's I hate God. That it's I hate God. Oh, it is I hate God. And I, I reacted, I think, the way when you saw Macedon, I was like, no. <laughs> but I'll just, I love New Orleans. I'll just get through it. I'm just doing more. Indeed. Indeed. David went inside. <laughs> I know. I think. I, yeah, I think I was talking to just Tracy that one night, and I was like, "Damn, I hate God Blast." I was, <laughs> yeah, I, I was yeah. not happy. And then we were like, "Who did this? Did Gabe do this? Or did okay, it had to have been bad?" <laughs> it, it was me. It, it was, was me. Uh, uh, yeah. Three. Ah, ah, ah. But anyway, um, yeah. Again, if you can do something for your local community charities in the wake of not just the the massive tornadoes i mean multiple tornadoes tornadoes not just the one that was on the ground for 250 miles or whatever it was um but there snowstorms other storms across the country wildfires capitalism yeah capitalism yeah <laughs> that, that's really community. it capitalism <laughs> yeah. is ravaging communities all across the nation if there's something you can do please do so and thank you for listening and we'll catch you next time